You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Amy hanlon Rodeman, Chief People Officer at Globalogic. Amy is a deeply experienced HR executive who has helped some of Silicon Valley's top brands scale and grow, from Yahoo to VMware. Prior to joining Globalogic, Amy was VP of Human Resources at Synopsys and EVP of People at Milestone Technologies. In this episode, Ron and Amy discuss how to deal with the younger generation workforce and how they think differently. How does org design around Gen Z look, the digital experience and access to information? What is a success path? And how does that differ from the traditional career path? Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and today we have Amy Hanlon Rodnick with us. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. We've got some awesome topics that, uh, and I'll let everybody know that we have not discussed before. So uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. And Amy joins us from uh, Global Logics out of uh, San Jose. Amy, give us a little, just tell our listeners who you are, a little bit of your background story, and then we'll jump into the meat. Sure. Um, Well, so first of all, uh, feel free to call me Amy HR. That's what most people call me because I have a really long- I like that. Uh, I have spent my uh, whole career here in the Silicon Valley, um, working for a variety of tech companies, VMware, Yahoo, Synopsys. Uh, I am the chief people officer of Global Logic. We are a very international um, company focused on digital transformation and professional engineering services. Excellent. And so, you know, I, I love to ask this question, um, you know, during this journey at some point, everyone seems to have their aha moment on like, wow, culture is really important. I don't, I don't know if I knew it was important or thought it was important. Did you have an aha moment for culture? And, and if so, what was that? I mean, I, I feel like I have aha moments at every single company when it sort of hits you. Um, very uh, early in my career, my very first uh, role was at a company called Ink to Me back in the 90s. It was a hot startup that was in the search space uh, pre-Google. And we had a very young group of folks and we had water fights every day and we had a lot of fun. And I I didn't realize that this was, we were creating a culture until later when it was more mature and I was conducting new hire orientation. And I realized just how important it was to explain the water fights, not because of, you know, they had any significant, significant impact. It was just, this is who we are as a culture. We're fun loving, we're, you know, we're carefree and we wanna make sure that we're hiring people that have that like-minded. So. I think that was the first moment it sort of hit me. But right. It hits me at every single company. There's usually a moment where it's like, ah, that's the culture right there. And, and back to that culture for a second. Was, was it, you know, it sounds like fun, but was it all business too? And did it, did it um, you know, did it just stop at the fun stuff or not? Was that, was that team able to deliver results too? Oh my goodness. It, 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 we were the definition of work hard, play hard. Uh, wow. It was mostly just a bunch of, uh, you know, college students, um, fresh out of college. I was, you know, 24 years old and we were just getting started. We were all broke and, you know, just working for the pure joy uh, of what we were doing and having a lot of fun. And and the water fights started because we'd been pulling 12, 14 hour days, you know, working on our, our product and the engineers just needed to blow off some steam. So they came up and attacked me and a couple of other colleagues with, with the, these giant water guns. And it was like, what the heck, you know, what's going on? And it just turned out to be 
uh, something that just became a regular occurrence. Every Friday, I knew I was going to go home soaking wet, but that was the, the way that they were releasing pressure because we were working so hard. And it was just a great way to bond with the engineers and everyone else as well. That's interesting. Um, you, you and I spoke previously about the different generations and younger generations. And, you know, I want you to, to, to explain what you uh, had, had shared with me about, you know, really tapping into, and which generation is that? Which is the, the youngest one that, that, that uh, you would Gen explain? Z. Gen yeah. Z. Gen Z. Yeah. Those so, are the so, ones that are right out of college right now. Oh, okay. So what are we talking about demographic? What is that age for Gen Z? And then, and then talk to me about how, how you are today creating culture to lean into Gen Z because some people are saying, hey, Gen Z, they don't work hard. They, they this, they that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you've got the the millennials, which depending on which source you, you talk to, it's either starting in, in 1980 or 1985, kind of just depends. And then your Gen Zs are those that are, you know, usually born around 2000. And um, we're starting to see, you know, this group coming up now, um, right now, uh, going through college and starting to come into the workplace. And while there's a lot of similarities with millennials and Gen Zs, there, there are some key differences as well. Let's talk and, about those. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the, the millennials, and especially if you have a lot of the older millennials, they grew up in an era where we didn't have cell phones as a regular thing. We were still using cassette tapes and DVDs. And, you know, the Internet came about when they were maybe teenagers or, you know, middle school. So it was they, they were part of that technological evolution. Uh, so they're not necessarily digital natives, whereas your Gen Z, they are digital natives. They grew up with YouTube and, uh, you know, streaming video and, and all of those things. And so there's a little bit of, of a subtle difference between the two. Um, I call the, the Gen Z generation the YouTube generation because they grew up in an era where you have access to absolutely anything you want to learn about. Uh, I mean, people, uh, a lot of us with the gray hair, we have this perception of YouTube of, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like cat videos, but that's not it at all. Uh, I have two kids that are Gen Z, and they spend their time, like, my son learns about physics on YouTube. You can literally, you can learn, you can get an MBA on uh, YouTube, just learning different things. And what I'm, what I'm finding is that this youngest generation, they like to learn in these, in these shorter bits, because it's the YouTube, like, 10 minutes video. Uh, tutorial on a number of topics and you can get really intense really deep learning uh, right out of right out of the gate there and with the with this digital native uh, group they have more of a demand for give me the cutting edge technological product that's going to help me either learn or you know get access to information so working with people who you know work off this device and they want Siri so I'm trying to think okay how do I how do I build the right tools and things for this generation that's going to talk to them, right? They want a solution where they can say, hey, Siri, what are my benefits? Hey, Siri, how do I get uh, a class on Java, right? And I want it, I want something that I can watch in a, in a streaming version and very quickly and learn something new. So as soon as you were saying that, the first thing that came to mind was, you know, if you had an old school culture that that is still, you know, this command control, like, you know, don't be on social media while you're at work. We have a policy around that. Like the Gen Z is just going to run. Like they're out. They're like, this is the weirdest place I've ever seen. Would that be correct? Oh yeah. And, and I've worked at companies like that. And I, I worry that, you know, if they don't recognize that, look at what's happening by the year 2025, uh, millennials and Gen Zs are going to be 75% of the workforce. 
you can't ignore that. You know, uh, you can't continue to staff your organization with uh, millennial. Oh, sorry, with uh, Gen Xers and Boomers because we're we're starting to retire. You know, we're starting to think about moving out of the workforce. We have to start hiring and training the next generation of worker to come in and backfill us going forward. And it is a very different uh, world. These folks are looking for the work-life balance is a thing of the past. These guys want work-life integration, right? They want to be able to come in and have that, the blurring of the lines. And so uh, it's tricky because things like social media, you can get into trouble if you are too lax in your, in your policy at the same time, they do use it to promote your company. They use it to post articles uh, about some topic that they're interested in. And you kind of want to encourage some of those things. You just got to be clear about what the, what the no-nos are. But let me play something back to you because it sounds like leaning into how they are learning with the technology. So you talked about, you know, uh, younger generation watching short bursts, deep learning, lots of topics and moving around. And so what I think you were saying was, in companies, we need to uh, continue to provide that type of learning, that type of user experience for that generation. Is that was that what you said? Yeah, that's absolutely what I said. Um, I, I believe that I am a student, and these these younger generations are my teacher. They're teaching me about how they want to learn, how they want to be managed, how they want to be given feedback, how they want to be able to give feedback, right? And I'm trying to listen with my older person's brain and my experience and what I'm accustomed to and what I like uh, to to adapt my my, uh, view of the world because I'm trying to design uh, tools for them, but what I would normally design is not at all what they're looking for. So it is absolutely critical that I pay attention. And so so when you're doing that, Amy, are you designing two different learning paths for for different generations at work like no, someone's like hey hey ron you and and uh, this other group uh, we've got a little old library here with some paper books and you go in and enjoy but for this group there's some short bursty fun videos what does it look like how do you how do you do both well you know that's that's a really interesting question and uh one of the things i'm i'm trying to do is i'm trying to build uh tools that will meet everybody's needs so uh, you know, if you've got some some Gen Xers that are looking for more like classroom-based learning, well, let's try and, you know, accommodate that. But at the same time, I'm spending a lot of time educating uh, the Gen Xers and the boomers, which tend to be your, your more senior folks, obviously, because they've been in the workplace longer, uh, about, look, at this is a new era. We need to start embracing some of the practices and preferences of the younger generations because they actually, there's some really cool stuff out there and we can learn from that too. Right, right. So you're kind of saying, hey, don't just fight. There, there's there's lessons on both sides. It's good to read a book once in a while, even though you might have killed a tree. And 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 short video bursts. There's some short learning uh, to the older generation that you might find exciting. You should try this out. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think I spend more time trying to, to change the mindset of Gen Xers than I do of uh, millennials and Gen Z. I'm really more trying to adapt my approach to them because that's the majority of my workforce. Yeah, because we talk a lot about this learning in the flow, and it seems like the Gen uh, Gen Zs would be much better uh, at learning in the flow. So, so when they have a question, they ask Siri. Like that—that that is a habit for them that would probably transition into work. And we talk a lot about this, where you know 
we are our older generations were starting to YouTube when I have to put up a set of blinds, but I don't necessarily do that when I'm at work. I don't try to triage a problem through YouTube. It just doesn't feel like it, it, it feels wrong. Maybe we haven't, we haven't transitioned the in the moment learning in the flow at work where the Gen Z's that's what they do. That's probably all they know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is all they know. You yeah, know? Interesting. And how important is purpose and culture to this generation? More important than it has been in the past? Less important? I would say it's more important. Um, that's that's another thing that I've been talking a lot about uh, with my executives is, uh, you know, the, when we were bringing, when we were being brought up in the workforce, it was, you know, you just go to work and you do your job, right? And you don't complain and, and you put in a, a solid day's work. And that's how we were raised by our parents. A job worth doing is worth doing well. Uh, not to say that the younger generations don't have that same mentality, but they're looking for something different in the workplace. They're, they they want to have uh, like a, a true meaning, a connection. It's important for them to feel like I, I believe uh, in the company that I'm working for. I believe in their product and their purpose, but also I feel like this is a company that's giving back to the community or you know not harming the environment. These things are very important to these generations. They're very altruistic. Yeah, they really are connecting, not just what what is my connection with work today and how is this you know, relationship going to work? But what's the impact with this company on my future? They're actually looking, they're asking that question. They are, they are. And, and more and more, I, you know, when I'm running engagement surveys, I'm seeing uh, engagement is mostly impacted by sense of belonging, right? Uh, by feeling like I'm getting meaningful feedback. I don't, you know, if so, of course, compensation always shows up on the radar. It does at every single company you work for. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, but these are not the things that have the greatest uh, impact on engagement. What they're saying is, I need to feel like my my work has impact and purpose. I need to know that I'm here for a reason. I'm contributing. I'm making progress. I am part of the bigger picture, right? And I also need to know that I work for a company that cares about me and cares about others. Yeah, it it, it feels like a time where companies really need to go back to the drawing board on purpose. You know, because the the old our purpose is to deliver excellent customer service isn't doing it anymore. No, it's not. It's not at all. And that is you're absolutely right. You know, that's why you see so many companies. They have like ESG departments where they're focused on corporate social responsibility and uh, diversity, equity, inclusion and sustainability. These are these are absolutely critical factors to be an employer choice. So I'm going to throw this out there and let's test it, see how it lands. One to ten. My company, Vita Living, our purpose is revolutionize affordable communities. How'd I do? That's pretty good. I mean, good, good, excellent. That's good. I'm happy. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> that was dangerous. I tried that, you know, we did this live. Um, I, I want to talk about org design because you mentioned that, and I didn't, I, I, I didn't even know, you know, I, I couldn't even go down a rabbit hole. I was really, I drew a blank when you said, you know, designing an organization to lean in to this generation. What, tell us more about that. Oh, uh, you know, it's, when we talk about org design, you know, you think about your traditional hierarchy, right? Um, we've, we've sort of gone back and forth with workplace design and hierarchy in the last like 20 years or so. We started off as everybody gets an office, there's a very solid hierarchy and a chain of command and, you know, you have to kind of work your way up uh, the ranks. And then we went through this period where we, we moved to cubicles and we were sort of flattening the organization, but it wasn't really that flat. And then it was 
this open space design where you have mobile desks that you can kind of move around. I worked at Yahoo and we had that design and it was really cool because you could almost have like scrum teams get together and move apart. And, you know, it was a very mobile setup and you have a very flat organization. And, you know, we still find that that's problematic too, because people need leaders. They need somebody to tell them, yeah, or, you know, do this, focus on that. And accountability uh, guidance. Accountability and guidance, absolutely. And somebody to say, you're doing a good job and to take the fall if something goes wrong. So I don't think we'll ever be in a situation where we don't have leaders. But more and more, we're trying to get to a place where, okay, we will have leaders, but you know, the younger generations, they want to say in their work design, they want to say in, you know, how are my leaders doing? It's not enough. In the past, we may have said, okay, that's my manager. I can't stand my manager, but oh, well, that's what I'm stuck with. Now it's okay. I, I'm going to hold my manager accountable. They're not behaving in the right way or they're not motivating me in the right way. And I have, I have a right to speak up and say, and, and give that feedback. And also have a right to say how I want to look at the uh, the organization, what works best for me. So it's, um, I think it's becoming more and more fluid you know, um, yeah. so, but I'm just trying to think if I'm, if I'm listening to this, so are you saying that it's just, look, you know, flat is good, but you need flat, uh, with, um, people that are participating. So, so this younger generation can't just be told what to do, when to do it in, in this, you know, fake flat organization. They really need to participate in the conversation. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I be I am a really, really big fan of feedback. I, I think the more the better. I am always actively seeking it. I do a lot of focus groups. I do surveys. Uh, I try to do town halls with as many people as possible, and and try to make it safe. They can ask any question or raise any issue. Uh, I I believe very strongly that some of the best ideas come from the ground, right? So we have tiger teams all over the place. Like, oh, we've got this big problem we're trying to solve and I want to put a tiger team on it, but I don't want my executives on it. I want the folks on the ground solving that problem. Sorry, Amy, can you explain tiger teams? Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure exactly the origin of the tiger team, but I know how I use them. Uh, it's really a team that's, that's put together to come up with some ideas on how to solve big problems. So... Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, COVID. Right? Uh, COVID is is a problem we've been working with for the last year, and there's so many questions that pop up right now. We're all thinking, well, how do we get everybody back into work at some point? Um, do we go full time work from home forever? Do we say uh, no? Everybody has to come back to the office. Do we come up with a hybrid model? If you look at a hybrid model, then you've got, you know, issues of, well, some people are remote, some people are on site, you know, do you have any kind of disengagement problems because of that? So I said, well, this is a really big issue. I can't, I can't tackle this myself. I, I put together a team of folks from representatives all over the world. I said, get together and come try and come up with some ideas on how you could solve this problem. And it's literally, it is a brainstorming group that gets together, they share ideas, they come out with a proposal, they bring it to the senior leadership and they say, this is the proposal that we have. And I've been using these for years and we've got some amazing ideas that have come out of these. Mm, very interesting. And, you know, I was thinking back to, to um, our comment earlier too about, you know, the, the org structure. And, and, and I thought back to, uh, we had a summer student a few years ago, his name was AJ. And you know, of course, we have a small team and we really believe that that we should have a voice at the table for the planning side, the quarterly planning, strategic uh, meetings, et cetera, 
from all levels of the organization. And I think I made the mistake in my previous um, company, my security company, by it took me too long to figure that out. We were planning for people that weren't in the room and, and shame on us, I think, now today. And so, and AJ had said, you know, what I love about this place is I get to be at the table and I'm, I'm still willing to do, I'm going to call it the grunt work. I'm willing to do that, but I get a voice here. What I don't think this generation has the appetite for is, is having to work for 10 years to get a voice. They don't want to wait for that, right? Oh. Not at all. Not at all. Especially in this in this day and age of technology, you can you can voice your opinion immediately. We've got Twitter, right? We've got Facebook. We've got right. all these things, and and they are voicing their opinions and they're voicing them loudly on all these platforms. So why wouldn't they expect that same right. uh, in their company? That's interesting. And so let's switch to digital experience and access to information with this younger generation. Tell tell us your thoughts and experience with this, and and how do we lean into what they're looking for well you know it's interesting i uh have spent years you know designing intranet sites for hr um where you have a, a typical intranet page and you've got sort of a directory and you go through and you sort of hunt and peck for benefits u.s benefits medical right or you can have a search bar and that's how you access information and that's how those of us with the gray hair we are used to and that's what we like and you know we're comfortable with that but now that takes too long for the younger generations. They want something like, I just want to type in a search. I'm looking for U.S. benefits for whatever. Um, and more than that, you think about um, how we interact uh, in our daily lives with, like you think about like PG&E, right? Like in California, we've had numerous power outages due to wildfires and crazy weather. And when I go to PG&E, um, I get you know, I'm trying to find information on the latest outage. It would be so great if there was a chat bot that mm -hmm. I just tell me what's going on with the outage. When is the power going to come back on? Right. Um, so, so, sorry, I, I just want to pause there because there's a few things I want to dig at. So, so you're saying, look, they want real time access. If you're yep. giving a chat bot to your customer, in this case, that you don't have it, but in a lot of cases you can, you have, we have it on our websites, a chat bot. You're saying we should have that internally. That's what they're looking yeah. for. Okay. Right. Because yeah, I don't think we think about that. We don't think about giving them the same customer or user experience as we are the customer, but you're saying that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say you think about, uh, and I learned this lesson at Yahoo where uh, as a new hire, one of the things that they had us focus on in orientation was think about your daily habits, right? You get up in the morning and you maybe check your uh, email, you check the weather, you look at what the traffic looks like for your commute, um, you know, for me, I, you know, go on CNN first thing, and then I go to New York Times and the Merck, and I just look at like three different news sources just to check what's going on. And then I use ways to drive into the office. And, you know, you think about all of those little daily connection points throughout the day. How, how might you apply that in the workplace? Because that's what you're used to. That's how you live your life, right? And more and more, uh, one of the things I, that was such an eye opener for me at Yahoo is I was sitting at a table with a with a couple of millennials and I'm explaining how I go through my life, and they're like, "Oh, that's weird. You know, if there's if there's any uh, news that's going to be happening, I'll find out on Instagram or I'll find out on Facebook." I'm like, "What are you talking about? You find out news on Facebook?" And then like the Boston bombings happened, and Reddit scooped all the press. Reddit had up to date information where you could. There was some gentleman that was across the street when they were capturing the bomber in the boat, and he was giving play by play happening as it as was happening. So I, that was when I was converted. 
because I was like, was your, wow. that was, as you said, you've had all these different aha moments and here's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, they're, this, they're onto something. These younger generations, they're onto something. This is real time. And this is crowdsourced information. This is unfiltered. Exactly. And so how can we create, uh, you know, not only a source where you can get information real time, either via chat bot or some sort of a, uh, you know, AI infused tool, but also maybe create some sort of crowdsourced piece like, oh, I had this question and this is the answer I got, you know, all like a Reddit uh, type thread. So I'm thinking about how do I incorporate some sort of AI tools and social media tools in order to create the best possible experience for my people. I love that. I, you know, I don't know if this is possible. We use a, 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 an app called talk.to. It's got this little paradigm. It's, it's a really cool company. It's a chat thing. Now we answer it. I can answer a chat on our real estate website and say, my name's probably shouldn't say this. I'll say it's Tom for this in case someone's listening. Uh, but it's me. I'm literally having conversations with people. I love it. But as you're talking, as we're, we're building out kind of a Vita University and an LMS for, for our frontline uh, leaders, and I feel like we should have that chatbot in there, you know, uh, whoever's kind of leading that learning development team should, can chat right away when someone gets on there and, and guide them. That is just, I love this. I think that's incredible. So um, let's go to success paths because you said, you, you said these were your words, not they don't like career paths. They like success paths. What is, what is the difference and, and what does that mean? Well, success paths is actually a term that was coined um, I can't remember who came up with it. It might, it might have been me or it might have been one of my team members. Um, but Let's say it's you. I'm going to give it to you. Sure, I'll take In the it. HR <laughs> success path, you, you own it now. I own it. Yay. Uh, it might have been me. I, I honestly can't remember who came up with the idea because we work very collaboratively over here. Um, we were talking about, gosh, you know, we're, we have sort of an interesting setup here where we uh, you know, we're deploying people on projects very much like a, a large consulting firm where you might go work on a project with, you know, say Google or go work with whoever. Hire team. Sure. <laughs> they work on these big projects and then you might work for um, a year on a project and then you get transferred to another project and then you go over here. And what I was thinking is, you know, it's not so much a career path. It's, it's a success path because a career path implies that you're sort of in a role, like maybe you're in QA engineering and you just kind of keep going and going up the ladder. But really, I mean, we, we got rid of that, you know, traditional career ladder a long time ago. And it's, you could go up over here and then go to the side and go try something new and then go up again. Maybe you go back. I mean, it's like a zigzag, just depending on what you decide to do in your career. I mean, I've, I've done that myself where I've gone lateral and then I've gone up and then I went back and then I just, you know, cause I wanted to try different things. So it's really about success and like, how do you find your true success? Because it could you could start in engineering and end up in HR. Yeah. I, I love that. I wasn't sure when you mentioned it. I just thought it was just a new word, but but it's not just a new word. You're saying that, look, people's experience are, to your point, you start here and, and it's not just, you know, an upward trajectory anymore. It's, it's about companies are changing so quickly. So how do you connect your own success to the success of the company, right? That's the path, right? And and that would look differently tomorrow than it did yesterday, et cetera. And so I love that. So, so do you guys have conversations? What is, what is, if I'm entering, um, you know, the workplace with you, what is it, is, is it conversation? Look, Ron, here we have success pass. So let's talk about that. What does it mean? And, and how do you connect? What, how, how does it, how does it play out? Well, it's a part of it is under development right now. Um, I've got some really 
great um, programs that have already been designed in all of the regions. I'll give you know, India as an example. Uh, India does a really fantastic job of uh, displaying like individuals and what their success path has looked like before with where they, you know, hey, they started the company, you know, 14 years ago, and this has been their trajectory, you know, and it looks very much like a, you know, zigzag in terms of getting them to where they are. And um, now we just recently, within the last couple of months, coined this new term success path, which is what we're trying to build out uh, going forward, because we're trying to take all these great ideas from the regions and pull them together to create a global uh, philosophy and global strategy around how do we develop the careers of our uh, great employees and also show them maybe opportunities like you might be sitting in India, but guess what? There's an opportunity in Poland. Maybe you want to go try that out for six months or Maybe you want to, you know, we're in a virtual environment. There's no reason why you can't work on a project that's thousands of miles away. Amy, I think you're on to something because you're right. Success, I mean, the word success is too broad. You know, 20, 40 years ago, it meant success just was a higher paycheck and a bigger title. That is not what it means today. That could mean different project, different country, different team, different leader. Uh, I love it. I think that that's going to be the future of uh of companies, writing that down, we are gonna lean into that concept right away because companies, again, are changing so quickly and people's, their version of success is different tomorrow. I meet my life partner and they wanna move somewhere and I can do that with the company, that's success. You know, a new experience in a new place, even if I'm doing the same thing. So it's so broad and has such different meanings to different people. That's that's excellent, I love that. I think that- You also think like um, there's career um, but with the younger generations, it's not just careers. Like I said, it's this work-life integration. So it's it's full the full life success, right? And it means different things to different people. And we want to bolt on things like um, you know, the community service and diversity and inclusion and sustainability and things like that to encompass all of that. So when you're creating your success path, you know, these are the things we're thinking about. We're thinking okay, well, it's not just about what are you doing in your day-to-day job. It's about how are you contributing back to the company? How are you contributing to the community? What ideas are you bringing in or, or taking out right, to, help, uh, to help the broader world? I love that. Amy, we've covered off some excellent topics and I've learned a ton today. So thank you. But before we leave, is there anything else we didn't cover that you think uh, that we should be talking about? Uh, you know, I... I am right now. I'm really jazzed about AI um, and the, the future of AI. I have a friend who um, she's she's demoing. She demoed a product for me, and uh, it is so slick. Uh, and it's looking at it's really the future of AI for the workplace. And literally, it's um, you know, hey, I I want to send an offer to you know to Ron, and then it's okay. Well. Um, it's the offer's gone out. Oh, he accepted. Oh, I've just ordered his laptop. And this is all happening in like a matter of minutes. The laptop's ordered. The email address was completed. It's like completely automated behind the scenes. And I'm just like, this is the future for the internal workplace is you take all of the tactical work and you get it as, as automated through an AI solution as possible. And it frees up time for like HR people, IT people to focus on strategy and to focus on like the, the big impact items. Um, and it creates such an amazing experience for employees. And I know that the AI is still in its infancy as far as like 
it's it's evolution. We have we have ways to go, but it is just so impressive to me uh, the advancements there. So so I love that, and I want to talk about this for a sec. But but what is the is there a company that does that, or who who delivers that service now? There there's a there's a bunch of different companies um, that are out there. It's uh, that are working on this type of solution. I, I don't know who's going to take the lead uh, in. In leading this charge here, but I know that there's a couple that are uh, really cool. They're on the front line. Um, it's the, the piece that I'm curious about is, um, you know, you've got like a traditional chat bot, like let's say you go to, um, who has a good chat bot? Uh, Xfinity, okay. Xfinity right. has a pretty decent chat bot, but it's limited because you'll, you'll go in and you say, oh, my internet is out. And They'll give you like immediate, like, okay, troubleshoot these things. It's like, okay, none of that is working. And then you have to sit there and wait for an agent anyways. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, why waste my time? So I end up half the time I go on Xfinity, no offense, Xfinity. Um, and I said, just give me an agent. Just give me an agent. And I just keep right. typing that until they give me an agent. Ah, and, interesting. Um, so um, one of the things that I'm really hopeful and, and my friend, here's a plug for her business. It's scale, S-K-A-E-L. Um, she has this really cool scale or scale AI or just scale. Uh, it's just scale S K A E L. Um, her product is really cool. It's like the first one that I've seen that's like this. I'm sure that there are others out there, but, uh, I just thought hers was really exceptional. It just takes it a, a level above what, what I've seen today. Wow. Uh, and can it, can, can that technology also do, because, because it's interesting when you first started talking about AI, I mean, and I, I am so far uh, behind on this. I've got so much to learn. But I remember, and I, I believe the story was on Amazon, who tried to use AI for their hiring. Did you hear the story? No. And so, so what happened was, as as I heard, and I didn't read the article, by the way, but this is a story I heard, was Amazon used it to do their hiring. So the AI analyzed all the successful resumes and mm -hmm. drew in all this data. And then what happened was they some HR director looked at they allowed the AI to, to filter out candidates as they applied. And then boom, they had like zero women being hired because they took the old data, which was 85% men. So they just eliminated women. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but it was interesting at first when you, you were talking, I was like, Oh, you know, I, I kind of, my brain went to that story, but what you're saying, which just makes total sense is how do we use AI to scale companies and take off my new tasks, like order the business cards, order the laptop, who wants to do this stuff? Versus strategic decisions, which what they did, they plugged AI in for a strategic decision, mm -hmm. right? And so I think what you're saying is there's a huge opportunity to 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 allow people to be more strategic by plugging into AI for day to day A to get to B tasks, right? Yeah, uh, and and you, you uncover exactly what uh, some of the issues are with AI is it's it hasn't yet been trained for bias, right? Uh, so I'll give you an example. Uh, I was at the Grace Hopper conference uh, a couple of years ago, and I listened to a lecture by this, this remarkable young lady who's a PhD student at MIT. And she was doing um, research on AI and facial recognition software. And what she found was there was a huge amount of bias in the software where uh, it was not recognizing people of color. Like the, they scanned her face and she's like a 28 year old African-American lady. And it, it said she was a 60 year old white man. Wow, <laughs> and she was she was pointing, she was pointing out flaws and like there there are so many issues with this software. I think in there was a town in uh, England where they were using facial recognition to try and track criminals, 
And then they had some huge failure rates. It was like 96% failure rate because it was misidentifying people as different races, right? And so she's she's working uh, on the computing side and the uh, the bias side to try and help companies that are creating AI software and uh, facial recognition software to help these machines learn um, about there's different uh, you know facial structures, there's different skin tones, and how to how to work for bias. But these types of things, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like these are the flaws in the system, and this is why it's not perfect yet. Uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a ways to go, but it is, this is what is why it's called machine learning because it learns from these things. Right, right. Wow. Uh, well, well, look, uh, Amy, I appreciate uh, your time today. You've got such a wealth of knowledge to share, and so I'm, I'm excited that people get to listen to you and uh, lots of learning. I've learned a ton today. So, Amy HR, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Of course, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. For more information about Amy, please connect with her on LinkedIn. For more information about the Scaling Culture podcast or our upcoming book or masterclass, Scaling Culture, go to ConnellyOwens.com. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.